We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Home and home. Yeah, yeah. It is a football Friday edition of Home and Home here on Radio.com Sports and the Radio.com app. How the hell is it a football Friday just five days after the Super Bowl ended? I, or at least we, will explain. I'm Ross Tucker, joined for the next two hours today by Jason Mertides, filling in for Dave Briggs today. We are home and home, and we are brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. Reminder to follow us all on social media at RDC Home and Home is the show at RDC Sports is the network. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL and I should have done more research into what Jason's Twitter handle was before we started the show Information that would have been valuable to me 45 seconds ago. Hello, Jason. What is your Twitter handle? Good morning, Ross. My Twitter handle is at Jason Mert, J-A-S-O-N-M-Y-R-T. Jordan, can you put that on the screen? At Jason (laughs) Mert. Make sure to download the Radio.com app or listen to us. Watch live Radio.com slash home. Remember, less than five minutes of commercial breaks per hour. Nobody else is doing this. Why would you listen or watch anyone else? Content. Content is king. Jason, that is a unique last name. I got to ask you, before we dive into the XFL stuff, because, yes, we do have more football this weekend, four standalone games, which is kind of nice. Mertidis, interesting last name. Give me the background on that bad boy. Well, it's a mess, and it wasn't easy to grow up with it. Everybody screws it up. I've been called everything from Martinez to Martetis to Martitis. You name it. It's uh, it's Greek in origin, but I have like, I think I have like a tick of Greek in me. Not a whole heck of a lot. Um, basically, I'm a mutt. So it works. Got Not it. many people well, share I, it. I know that. <laughs> you know what? Hey, people remember it. You know, yep. I, I, I like that part of it. I always think it's a little bit, I mean, I get it when people name their kids after them, but like the whole point of a name is to distinguish you from other people and makes it difficult if they're saying the same name in the house or whatever. I kind of liked that I was Ross because nobody else at my school was Ross. And then friends came along and that loser, David Schwimmer, was such a sniveling dweeb that he ruined the name. Thankfully, we were able to overcome that. You were uh, Ross Geller, no. the hapless one trying to get the hot girl. Yeah, the dinosaur nerd that goes, oh, Rachel, why don't you like me? Yeah, no. Speaking of <laughs> no, Jay, we got some football. And I know we're going to we? talk later about the NFL depression. It's really simple, okay? We've seen these spring leagues before. We had the AAF a year ago. 
I've got a simple question for you, Jason Martinez. Do you want more football? Forget the XFL. Forget the name of the league or who the players are, any of that. My question is, from February until August, there is no football. Do you want football in that time frame? Or are you kind of okay with a break? I want football, but I'm leery of more football, if that makes any sense. Now, the reason I want more football is because I love football season. And the minute, even before the Super Bowl, I, I get that stupid app, the T-minus zero app, so I can count down the days until football returns. Now, for me, it's not just football. It's football's back, fall weather's back, kids go back to school, which I love because they drive you nuts in the summer. But I want more football until I get more football. And the XFL, I don't I don't know if it's going to sink its teeth into me this time, Ross. I, I want football, but I don't know if I want that football. Because the last time they gave me that football, I didn't love it. I was kind of like, eh, this is gimmicky. It felt cheap, like a plastic, you know, cheap plastic form of football. I want, like, authentic pigskin that smells like it. Now, you're a former player. You come from a different perspective. I know players love the offseason because their their bodies are beat to shit. And you go, okay, well, I made a lot of money this year. I can kind of chill out for a while. I can relax. So where do you come at it from? Well, I, I almost feel like you can separate the NFL part of it. I will say, as a former NFL player, that that was probably the best part of the job. I mean, after that last game, you have meetings the next morning. You're out, and your time is your own until the off-season program starts, which used to be like mid to late March. Now it's mid to late April. So I go back to where I'm from in Reading, Pennsylvania. Believe it or not, I live with my parents. My mom would make me breakfast. It was awesome. I'd work out. Uh, I don't know, go out with some of my buddies that lived in the area still. Go Al see Simon my girlfriend. There you go. There you go. Take a uh, take a couple of cases to Al's Diamond Cabaret. I would go on the weekends to see my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife in Hoboken or New York City. It was great. It was awesome. We'd go on a vacation for a couple of weeks. Didn't have didn't have shit to be. It was awesome. I'll say this, okay. Two different perspectives on spring football. One is, I, I like it. And I'll tell you why I like it. Because I'd rather watch it than anything else that they'll put on. Like, what else will be on over the next few months? Now, I'm not watching it over March Madness, okay? But over a regular season college basketball or NBA game, I am likely to watch the XFL or really any spring, whatever we're calling this, winter professional football league. I'd, I'm curious to see Landry Jones and Cardell Jones and Matt McGloin and Josh Johnson and some of these guys I know are in the league. You know, I'm curious to see the league, the rules, what they do from a broadcasting perspective. I mean, so much of what we do is sky cam and the steady cam and stuff like that in the NFL now, we're from the first iteration of the XFL. So I'll watch it for the ingenuity and I'll also watch it because it's football and I'd rather watch football than regular season college hoops, regular season NBA 
regular season NHL or regular season baseball. So, yeah, I'm glad they have it. I'm glad they're going to watch it. That's just from the watching perspective. As a player, Jay, that was a journeyman, five teams, seven years, the whole deal. I'm glad that these guys are all getting a second chance or at least another opportunity to play football for money and show the NFL what they can do, or maybe just get paid to play in the XFL and they're happy with that. Yeah, I mean, I got a buddy that plays is playing in the league. He's playing for the Tampa team, Colin Thompson, who went to Temple. And he's played in the NFL. He played in the, the American Alliance football last year. He's just trying to extend the dream, right? But for me, I'd rather watch an NBA game that I know means something and that I know the NBA is going to be around in another year. I don't know if the XFL is going to be around in another year. So how can I invest my fandom, give up a little piece of my 100% pie of fandom to throw into an XFL team if they might not be around in a year? This league came and went last time. You're right. They did, they did add some things that the NFL took with the sky cam and, and ways of presenting the game. And I think it's good for that part because you can look at it and go, okay, they'll take risks that the NFL can't afford to take. And if the risk is worth it, then the NFL can adopt it. You know, if they were rebuilding the NFL now, with, and we'll get into some of these rules, these rules wouldn't seem outlandish if you were building the league from scratch. The problem is the NFL has been around for 100 years. So we have this notion in our head that this is the way the NFL is. This is the way the NFL has to be. And, and when you look at sports, if you were building them now, as opposed to you were building them 100 years ago or whatever the sport is, baseball, they all need rule changes, by the way. And they need a fresh approach and fresh eyes and get rid of the stodgy old guys that worry about record books and the way it should be. But I, I don't know that I can give a piece of my heart and my emotion and my fandom to a team that I don't know or a league that I don't know is going to be around in a year. I'd rather watch games that I know mean something and that have a history with my childhood for me to lend my fandom to it. Now, I'm curious about the XFL, but I'm also very auspicious about the XFL on whether it'll even be around in a year's time. Yeah, so what I would argue is I'm not, I'm not a fan of any team. If I had to pick a team to win, it'd be St. Louis because they got screwed by the NFL and they're the only team in the league that doesn't have an NFL team. So I guess I'm a St. Louis fan. But I don't look at it as investing fandom because you're not really going to be a fan of any of the teams, right? It's really just investing time. And what you said you know, is interesting about is it worth investing time in? Is there a point to it? Sometimes I feel like there's not that much of a point to Major League Baseball regular season games, 162, NBA regular season games, even college hoops regular season games. I think it's interesting, Jordan Cohn, one of our producers, one of the millennials, makes an interesting point. He says, is it unfair of me to already say you're not going to watch it over March Madness. Is that the reason it's doomed to fail? People aren't taking it seriously. And I would submit to you that other than the NFL and college football, March Madness is my next favorite thing. So I don't think, Jay, just because I'm saying I'm not going to watch the XFL over March Madness, that doesn't mean I'm not taking it seriously. It just means... I think I'm being realistic. It's not going to become my third favorite sporting event after NFL and college football. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a huge leap. You're not going to – look, March Madness, and you're not – that's not a hot take. You're not saying, 
hey, March Madness is this thing that nobody really likes, but I like it more than the XFL. Or, you know, when you look at March Madness, it's one of the great months of sport on the calendar, especially a month after football. You get this incredible tournament. You get Cinderella runs. Legendary things have happened from the Leitner shot at the Spectrum back in the early 90s to all the great tournament runs that have happened over the years. It's tremendous theater and then the cutting down of the nets and the song and the whole thing. But to me, my issue here is with this too, Ross. I know these aren't the best football players in the world. And I have a hard time investing, first of all, money, plunking down money to to go to a game, even though I'm not going to go, but even investing my time into what is a second-rate product. It's like if I love golf and I love the PGA Tour, I don't like to watch the tournaments that don't have the best players in it just because it's golf or, you know, I want to see the best players at their sport. It's why I think like the WNBA suffers and other women's league suffers because it's not as elite athletically as the NBA and the XFL is kind of the rejects of the NFL guys that weren't able to cut it. So how can I get that into it just because it's football? I love football, but I don't know that I love it enough to fall in love with the XFL. Yeah, and and by the way, speaking of March Madness, we might get into a little bit later in the show some very interesting comments from Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski, about the state of college basketball. We're definitely going to dive into the NBA trade deadline and what happened yesterday with Steve Cerruti, our brother in arms for Scallon Pals. He'll join us at 9.15 a.m. Eastern Time. The XFL has all kinds of rules that are different from the NFL that Jason and I will discuss in a few moments. We will ask Dean Blandino, the XFL's head of officiating, his thoughts on those new rules. Plus, how about the fact that in Patrick Mahomes' high school yearbook, one of his classmates says he can't wait to watch Patrick Mahomes say win the Super Bowl. Wow. We will have that classmate on today's show at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Plus, what is the one thing that is just an absolute deal breaker when it comes to a first date? We'll get into all of that stuff. We do have a poll question as well, Jason, as it relates to whether or not you will watch the XFL this weekend. If you're listening or watching live, please follow us at RDC Home and Home and vote in the poll at RDC Home and Home. The options are, hell yes, probably check it out, or nope. Now, Jay, did you look at the results yet? I did. I just voted, and I'm in the majority. Okay. I feel pretty good that I'm in the majority. Yeah, so 20% say hell yes. 52% say they'll probably check it out. 27% say nope. So that's where we're at right now with already 714 votes. Some of the replies I'm getting, Jason, Dennis Ryan says he's usually good for a week or two. That's right. Watching the XFL. I realize it's not good enough. (laughs) Justin Yost says, I would rather they reincarnate playmakers than the XFL. 
John Worrell says, I don't plan to watch the XFL. I like football, but don't have the time or interest to get emotionally invested in another league. We grade mock draft says who in the world would complain about a 17 NFL game schedule. And yes, to the XFL. Brian S says, I'll be watching the XFL battle Hawks on Sunday. Hashtag Kaka. Is that their like hashtag? I kind of like that. Now I kind of like, now I'm kind of interested in the battle Hawks. The category, you know, the answer is the hell yes, probably check it out. Nope. Uh, let me categorize those for you. The hell yes are Ross's army of football. Like you guys, your breath smells like pigskin because you've been chewing on like a football in the off season. The probably check it out. It's my category. It's like, you know, the one thing is you got to invest. The NFL is an investment of time and emotion and everything that season. And you need an off season if you're married or you have a girlfriend or you have kids to build up what I call football equity. So this is the time of year to like punch the time clock so that when football comes back next year and and it's Sunday or Thursday night and your wife or your girlfriend's like, I want to go out to dinner. And you're like, no, no, football's on. And she goes, well, you don't have to watch it every day. You go, well, I didn't watch it every day from February until August, but now it's back. So you have this bank of equity that you have to build up right now. Like my equity is dry, but my wife needs, I need to rebuild it. So now's the time to rebuild it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. That's one of the things I personally like about the XFL is that I don't feel like it's an obligation for me to watch. It's uh, tune in if I feel like it. Maybe you get a workout in, watch an hour of it, tune in the next night, maybe for a little bit. I like that aspect of it. I like that I can sort of drive by watch as opposed to making it appointment viewing it's definitely not going to be appointment viewing for me other than this weekend when i want to check it out i mean i want to see what it's like because jay they've got so many new rules so many different ways of broadcasting it one of the first things they're doing is they're making a concerted effort to make the games shorter They think that the games will be about two hours and 45 minutes, which is 25 minutes less than a standard NFL game. They've got an eighth official that's putting down the ball right away with a 25-second play clock. Let's just stop there, okay? Do you think that that is necessary? And or do you think that that is a good idea? for them to speed up the games, make the games faster, shorter? Uh, Yeah, first of all, Chip Kelly would love this league. Uh, But second of all, they have to have points of differentiation between them and the NFL. So I don't mind the idea of it, but I never watch an NFL game and feel like it's too slow. Now, it, it is slow and the games are long, but the rhythm of an NFL game is perfect because play happens, you you. You tweet about it, you get angry about it, you talk to your buddies about it, the next play, it's build up. So I never had the, a problem with the rhythm of an NFL game. So I, I don't have a problem with that part of it, but I get why they're doing it. They want to be different. They want to have this thing feel like there's nonstop action. So that'll, that'll lend to that, getting the ball back and play very quickly and, and getting 
plays off so the the fan base never look. We live in an ADHD world, Ross, and I'm like the poster boy for it. I can't. I, I'm there with my fidget spinner watching games to pay attention to everything, and maybe the XFL will keep me focused on the game and keep me in front of the TV a little longer. But are you going to be doing like hits all over the country for XFL like you do for NFL? Or this is just enjoyment for you? I think that plays yeah, into this, your love a little bit. Yeah, no, work. I'm not. I'm not going to be doing hits all over talking about. It. Now they might ask me about it on a few hits, but I, I don't. I mean. I'm not going to tell them that I'm sitting here and, and an expert on the XFL. Uh, like I said, it's more going to be sort of casual viewing for me. What do you think, like, would you be happy if the NFL instituted the 25-second play clock and sped the game up? Like, I'm sort of like you. I don't think that they need to do that. But if they did... I'd be fine with it and probably ultimately happy with it. I mean, look, I don't, the NFL can make very few mistakes that are fatal. We always think that the rule changes they're going to make are going to hurt the game. Remember the lowering of the helmet? We're like, oh, this is the end of the NFL. Everybody lowers their helmet. There's going to be a flag on every play. There are flags on almost every play already. We don't know what pass interference is. There's so many things about the NFL that we complain about that are flawed. But you know what they never complain about is the ratings. Because they're still through the roof. The NFL is bulletproof. And I don't know that the XFL could even wear uh, some kind of bulletproof vest to cover uh, a appendage of their body as compared to the NFL. They have to be flawless in the XFL to grab football fans because the product A is not going to be as good because the athletes aren't as good. So the rule changes are the hook. They got to hope that those rule changes actually do hook people and they get hooked to the action of it. And the presentation of it. The presentation will be another big part of this. And bringing it to people, if they like that presentation, maybe they'll hang with it. But to me, it looks like another another experiment that could be doomed for failure. Yeah, what's interesting is that the AAF got good enough ratings that I, I think it was sustainable. They just didn't have the funding. In other words, the ratings were better than like, TNT NBA regular season games. So I guess I wonder if that's enough to sell to make the league viable. They're not playing, paying these guys very much at all. I mean, it's like 55,000 max other than quarterbacks and they're on bigger networks. So they're going to get better ratings. I wonder if the advertising dollars are enough with how little they're paying the players that they're able to make it. I mean, I'm, I'm very curious about that because the AAF actually got decent ratings. You know, speaking of that, Jay, we can get into that a little bit as well because we'll do more of the rule stuff with Blandino later. They're going to be interviewing players and coaches immediately after scoring touchdowns right on the field during the game. Does that, and they're going to have all kinds of guys mic'd up and using that audio, will that make a big difference to you? Yeah, I think that this is something that where they could be on to something. Because what we all know is that fans and guys, like like I didn't play a pro sport. You did, Ross. So you know what it looks like behind the, the velvet rope and the <laughs> curtain. I have no clue what it looks like back there. And fans love that. It's why those 24-7 shows do well. It's why All or Nothing on Amazon right now is going to be a huge hit. The Eagles are on it and featured. That just came out. And you see these shows where you let 
everyday fans behind the curtain of pro sports, and it's incredibly compelling. Because we all think we know what happens back there. We played football in college, or you played football in high school. It's not the NFL, where guys are making millions of dollars, and you see how they react to losing, or they react to winning, or how a coach reacts to when guys stink it up. You want to see that stuff, and it's a little dangerous, and you probably I don't know if you agree with this, but getting players on the record on the air in the heat of the moment without a cool-down period could be really good TV. So it's one of those things that that's one of the areas that I'm really curious about. And as a guy who does pseudo sideline for the NHL and taking players right off the ice and talking to them, I think that's incredibly compelling. Uh, it's interesting. One of the millennials, Joey, uh, one of our other producers, says he hates in-game interviews. Why? Uh, I, I don't know. He said they're silly to him. He doesn't need the player or coach interviews right after the play. I kind of like it. I mean, if the player is going to say what he saw and what the play was and, and why he was able to beat the guy for a touchdown, I think that would be interesting. I love the idea of more microphones and being able to hear what they're really saying. This isn't like the NFL where Sam Darnold says he's seeing ghosts out there and everybody gets worried and, oh, my gosh, now we can't use that audio because the Jets have to protect Sam Darnold's image and he'll never get over that, blah, blah, blah. To me, that's crap. Let's hear what they say. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. who can, let's let's hear what they really say. I think that'll be interesting. Um, I personally did a game last year, Jason, that was on Facebook, and we had a camera on the umpire's hat. And in college football, they're still behind the defensive line. It's almost like they're a linebacker. That was cool. I'd like to see the umpire back behind the linebackers with the camera there. Because when it's nine on seven, when it's in the inside run, you see everything unfold and it's awesome. I also like the idea of a quarterback cam. Now, I don't know where you put it or how you do it, but they can make those cameras so small these days. How sweet would that be to have a legit quarterback camera? Oh, that would be awesome because I could see a quarterback looking off defensive backs. I could see a quarterback, what he sees on the field. Why should we have to always depend on the analyst in the booth to tell us what the quarterback's seeing when we can put the camera right there in the little corner of their mask with this little tiny James Bond camera and go, no, you don't need to tell us what he's seeing. I see what he's seeing. And you can even do it picture in picture, or you can have a separate channel, which is QB cam or linebacker cam, which is the one with the, the referee or the umpire behind the line. I didn't play pro football. Like, I would love to know what it looks like out there when a 245-pound running back is bearing down on me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want to know what that feels like. I want to know what it look, feels like when I am in, and I'm looking out of the eyes of the quarterback and I see a pass rush enveloping me and I have to get the ball out and my receivers are covered and i got to throw them open. That stuff's awesome. If they can do that, now you're starting to hook me a little bit, Ross, because I'm going, I'm getting something that I can't, I can't, I've never had before. Yeah, and I don't even think – it's interesting. I don't even think it's what the quarterback can see or what he's looking at that's interesting. 
What I think was interesting about the quarterback cam would be how much he can't see and mm -hmm. what it's really like as they're running a stunt up there or you have a 320-pound guy coming right at you and you got to make him move. I mean, it'll be like the uh, the Michael Vick reality project, you know? It, it, like, I, I love that idea. So those are the things. Any other ideas you can think of, Jason, that you'd really like to see them implement in the XFL from a broadcast standpoint? Supposedly they're going to be more in line with talking about betting and betting lines as well. And there will be live betting options during the game, which I think might be their biggest opportunity, actually talking about the lines while you're watching. Yeah, it's a huge opportunity. The only thing I wonder about that is we know so little, at least initially, we know so little about these teams, who's good, who's not good. Where are your advantages? You know, betting's all about advantages. you got to find matchups that you like we don't know anything about the matchups just yet now if it was you know the rams playing against the steelers i go and they're talking about betting i'm like i'm all in because i know that jared goff in this situation can go over the top and beat that defensive back and that scheme of the pittsburgh you know steelers defense all of those things i don't know any i don't have any of that institutional knowledge just yet on the xfl so maybe that's something that'll develop and if they want to grab people it's the 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 secret in sports is gambling's the under has been the underbelly. They're putting it into the mainstream. So if they're going to do that, that could bring people in because now people will study the game because they'll find the advantages in betting it. And if they embrace it and you're doing in-game live prop betting and betting live in the game, are they going to score on this drive? Are they going to go for a one, two or three point conversion for after the touchdown? Or are they going to you know how they're going to handle situations? It's going to be really interesting. Plus, the live in-game thing, Roth, coming back in a game, if you score a touchdown and get a three-point conversion, it's a nine-point play. How does that affect the spread? How does that affect, you know, a team coming back that was an underdog because, you know, they were losing by seven points or eight points, but now they can come back and on one drive take the lead with a nine-point drive. So it, that's that's an interesting thing to look at as well. I think you make a really good point in terms of the betting is great, but how easily can people bet on the league if they don't really know the players or they don't really know what they're betting on? Uh, but maybe that will change. Maybe maybe after a couple of weeks, you'll feel like you do have a good feel for the teams and the players. Look, I'm of the mindset that more football is good. The more football, the merrier. And frankly, the more places we can spread the football gospel, the better. But I know Jason doesn't necessarily agree. So we're going to dive into that in a couple minutes. But first, Cafe Altora COO Dylan Miskowitz. He's a good buddy of mine. He experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. Then he switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. You can too, by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you, and its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates faster. 
In fact, after posting his job to ZipRecruiter, Dylan said he was amazed by how quickly great candidates were applying and found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We are back home and home. The Radio.com Sports Original that is taking the sports media world by storm. Why? Because we get to do it from our houses, number one. Number two, we've got Radio.com affiliates all over the country. Number three, less than five minutes of commercials per hour. We are live and in living color. You can watch or listen on the Radio.com app or Radio.com slash home. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, classic journeyman, He's Jason Mertidis, just a smidge of Greek, but that's what he's going with as a last name. And he typically, you might not know this, works on the show as one of our producers, filling in for Dave Briggs today, who is on assignment. I love when my co-host isn't there saying they're on assignment. It sounds so official, doesn't it? Sounds clandestine, like CIA, like Dave's over in Afghanistan trying to... uh recruit an asset (laughs) yeah he'll be back by monday but he might be doing that right now all right so jason you know big news this week was the jacksonville jaguars are going to play back-to-back home games in london which i believe is the nfl and the jaguars dipping their toes into eventually having a team over there, or at least seeing how those logistics work. I know since you work on the show earlier in the week, you hate this. You hate everything about this. Explain yourself. Well, frankly, it pisses me off because I don't, my job as a fan of the NFL, and if I was a Jacksonville Jaguar fan, which I'm not, but I'll pretend I am, is not to grow the sport of football globally. That is not what I'm here for. I'm here to consume my team, and I only get eight chances a year to to go to a game, a home game in Jacksonville, and watch my team. 
to do the tailgate, to spend the money, to get the group of guys together and girls or whatever you do for the game. You get eight opportunities a year. And they just took two of those opportunities and shipped them overseas. And if I want to go over there, I all of a sudden, I got to get a passport. I got to, I got to spend a ton of money and, and fly to England to go to Wembley and all this stuff. My job is not to grow the game. This is spitting in the eye of the of the Jacksonville Jaguar fans. And the viability of a game in England to, to put a team there permanently, to me, is so flawed because, our, look, just traveling and having to go through customs for teams like the NBA and the NBA and in the NHL is a pain in the rear end. You couple that with having to fly all the way over to Europe. Imagine a West Coast team like the Rams having to go over and play there and the time zone changes, and then having to come back and play a game after that on the West Coast. It disrupts their, their, the, the rhythm of their body, their circadian rhythm of their bodies. It just, to me, it's not worth it. I don't, want, I, don't, I don't even like the couple of games they have with different teams in London. I don't need it over there. It's the National Football League. It's basically the American Football League. Let's keep it here. Now, I'm not against other countries, but Why? What is the point? Where's the upside to the fans in this country? Are you going to sell more jerseys in Europe? I don't give a damn about that. They're already making millions. Yeah, so I, it's hard for me to dispute a lot of what you're saying because we're really looking at it from two different perspectives, right? And what I would say is as a former player who still – you know, my benefits are tied into how well the NFL does. They are really growing at an impressive rate in Canada and especially in Europe, in the UK. And if you look at the United States, I mean, everybody knows about football. Everybody's invested in football. I almost feel like, Jason, that they're, they're maxing out what they can get from a revenue standpoint from the United States. Everybody watches, everybody buys shit, people go to the games, all that stuff. If you look at it from the NFL perspective, as one of the owners or the league or one of the players that's looking to grow the business, because make no mistake about this, this is a business. It is for profit. You might think it's about winning the Super Bowl. The reality is it's about making as much money as possible for everybody involved in the business. The best way by far, and maybe the only way to do that, is to grow the game internationally. And frankly, Jason, if that pisses off a few Jacksonville Jaguars fans to use your analogy earlier about Dave Briggs, maybe going to Afghanistan to try to get an asset. If, if pissing off a few Jags fans is going to allow the NFL to grow the game globally, then I would call that an acceptable loss in this war of growing the game and growing the revenue pie for the people that are, intimately involved with the NFL. All right, so that's an acceptable casualty to the NFL. And maybe because it's Jacksonville, it's more acceptable. It's not Dallas. It's not the New York Giants. It's not the Philadelphia Eagles. It's not the Chicago Bears or the New England Patriots. 
but it's the Jacksonville Jaguars, so it's not that great of a loss. I get it. But here's the deal, too. Okay, if the league's going to generate that much more revenue, then can you lessen my price to park? Can you less? Can you take Atlanta's model and not charge me $22 for a 20-ounce beer? You know, you're gouging me already. I go. I got eight games to go to, and I, and I budget around that. And it's costing me an arm and a leg to just do eight games. So if the league's going to keep growing, and they're billionaires, these guys are printing money every year. It's going up every year. New TV deals are going to come in, and you're going to see partners like Amazon, Netflix, streaming companies get involved, and their TV package is going to get even bigger. When is enough money enough money? Is there a such thing for a pro sports league? Apparently not. Like The NFL is like Wall Street, the movie. Greed is good. That's what Gordon Gecko said. Okay, but if you're going to take all this money and keep growing it, then do something for the fans. Lessen the price it is for them to go. Now, I know it's fair market in most cities, and there's a waiting list to go to games in a lot of these cities to get season tickets. But, I mean, I, I can't sit by and just watch a team screw over a fan base that's been pretty loyal for all for the almighty dollar. Yeah, I understand that. What I would ask you is, what other businesses are out there doing that? Like, show me the business that says, you know what? We're doing really well. We're making a good profit. And we've got customers that are willing to pay X. But, you know, we're doing so good that we're going to lower the price of X. They, that, that's just not the way the world works. That's not no, the no, way I, our country works. Yeah, it's I capitalism. Yeah. 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 I mean, they'll lower the price of parking. If that is, if people stop paying it, if that's an impediment to getting people to come to the stadium, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this they're not in the business. And frankly, as a player, I don't want them lowering shit because I get 48.5%, maybe even more under the new CBA of every dollar that comes in. I don't want you lowering stuff. I'm going to, I'm probably going to get CTE. I'm, I am lowering, I am definitely taking years off my life. I'm pro, I'm definitely negatively affecting my quality of life from an orthopedic perspective, probably from a cognitive perspective. So if Jason and Joey and Jordan have to pay $30 for parking, great. They should. Screw those guys. They're, they're willing to do it. Too bad. Yeah, that's well do said. It. Well said from a former player and a guy who made that kind of money. But for the fan, it's like, you guys are getting paid a shit ton of money. And the assumption of the risk is there. I get it. But the the problem is, is for me, is, you know, you never know when you're building a house of cards, which, which card you're going to put on that's going to collapse it. And greed is the one thing that can take everything down in all aspects of life. So you continue to grow and continue to grow and piss off your fan base and your core and, you know, put a team in Mexico. Okay, you might make more money now, but you might be penny wise and pound foolish because you're going to start to push people away because you're shitting on your your season ticket holders. And to me, they're the ones that keep the lights on at the bar, right? Your regulars that come in every day and, and drink nine beers, they're the ones that keep the lights on. When you start running two-for-one specials and bringing in these other people that come in once in a while, they're not the ones that are going to keep the lights on for you. So you can try and go to Europe and get those people and compete with soccer over there and and all that stuff. But to me, it's shitting on the fans 
that keep your lights on and that have been with you for a long time. And I wonder if there's going to be a tipping point in Jacksonville. I mean, there's going to be pissed off people. If that team moves, I mean, that's outrageous. And it's all because of the almighty dollar. Yeah, well, they did it to St. Louis, so I don't think they'd be afraid to do it to Jacksonville. It's interesting. It felt like for years, Jason, that the NBA was getting more and more popular. Speaking of popularity and growing the sport, but it doesn't feel like that's been the case this year, which is one of the questions I have for our guy, Steve Cerruti from Scow and Pals, which is every day, 11 to 1 here on Radio.com Sports. We had the NBA trade deadline yesterday, so there's much to discuss there. You can check him out on Twitter, at Cerruti. At one point, I saw Scal got traded yesterday, but it was a different Scal. It was Scal <laughs> like, like past the Lavoisier. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, but Cerruti, let's, Cerruti, Steve, let's get into this first, Cerruti. Before we get into the trade deadline stuff, because we're talking a lot of NFL and growing the game in London and XFL stuff. What is the popularity of the NBA right now, midway through this season? I've seen some rating stuff. Some people think that that is indicative of the NBA going down. Others say it's not. Give us your take on the sort of the state of the NBA popularity this season so far. Yeah, well, first off, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. I will say that, I, you know, Ratings being down this year has been a, uh, something that I think the NBA is definitely worried about. But I'm not I'm not going to sit here and overreact to it. Listen, what have we done the last couple of years? We've complained and complained and complained about how it's only been the Warriors. It's been a super team league. It's not competitive. Well, this year, we have at least three teams that are capable of winning the title, all with incredibly interesting stories. You've got LeBron, who I still believe is the best player in the league, who is playing for the most storied franchise in the league in the Lakers. You've got Kawhi Leonard across town in the same building, really, who is coming off of a championship as well as the other contender. And then you have maybe the most likable superstar in the entire league in Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is playing for a team that's probably going to win 70 games and is, you know... I, the, again, I said the most likable player in the league and one of the guys that's probably going to be the future of this league. I think the ratings is an issue, but I don't know how worried I would be about it going forward. I'll tell you why, guys, because, you know, we had several games, I think 20 or so games, at least national games this year, where you had a Warriors team that was being showcased in national games without St Stephen Clay. Who's going to watch them? They're the worst team in the league, really, record-wise. And then you had another bunch of games with the Pelicans and no Zion Williamson. And look at what happened when Zion came back. It was the second-highest-rated game in the history, regular season game in the history of ESPN broadcasting NBA games. So clearly there's an appetite for him. He's only going to get better. The Pelicans are only going to get better. So while I think right now there is some worry about it, and yes, the regular season may be a little bit diminished because, let's be honest, we're all just sort of looking forward to the playoffs this year where we do have what looks to be a very competitive both race for the East and Western Conference title. I think the future is still very bright for this team. You've also got Luka Doncic. This game is global. The two future stars in this league, Luka Doncic and uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, are both European players, so you're bringing in more of a global brand. I I'm not terribly worried about the interest level in the game, and I I'll say this transactionally we just had the trade deadline yesterday the NBA does the trade deadline better than any other sport and they do the offseason better than any other sport so while I do believe there are issues with the regular season guys I'm not worried about the overall interest level of the NBA all right there's a couple things I agree with and there's one thing I disagree with that the NBA does the offseason better than any other sport I think football does because there's the 
the rigidity of their calendar with the league year and free agency and then the draft and all that. Um, the NBA free agency seems some, oftentimes there's a couple of big names that change teams. Now, last year's offseason was crazy with LeBron going, Kawhi, Kevin Durant going to the Nets and everything that went down. But that being said, and the NBA is predicated and and kind of sold on its star players more than any other league. And there are a lot of guys that are hurt right now. But, Steve, what do you do when you talk about the state of the NBA? You know, you have load management. So many stars sit out games, and they sit them out on the road when when a team like Orlando, for you, or yeah, Atlanta, you. <laughs> is, is you know, they're, they come to see LeBron James, or they came to see Tim Duncan in his day, or they come to see James Harden, or they come to see Russell Westbrook. And then they come to find out that this game that they circled on their calendar that they're going to spend their money to go see, and that star player is not playing. I mean, what what can the NBA do about that problem? And also the regular season is doesn't mean that much in the NBA because you get to the playoffs and you have the haves and you have the have-nots and you know the teams that are probably going to get to the conference final. So what so, can you do to enhance that regular season? Yeah, so I, I, I there unfortunately I don't know if there is a real fix for it. And this to me, guys, is the is like the Jordanification or the Jordan effect of 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 the of the sport is that. We only care about titles, right? And we, it, it, to some extent, that is the. It's definitely not that way in baseball. It's kind of that way for quarterbacks in the NFL, but it's definitely that way for every star in the NBA. We we have basically told these guys that, hey, we don't care about your regular season stats. We don't care about how many regular season MVPs. Look at Jordan's six titles. That's the only thing that matters. If you fall short of that, you are a failure. So we have we sort of have to to blame ourselves in that for sure. And the players are listening to what we're saying. I don't know if there's a fix. Necessarily, I mean, the NBA has certainly talked about doing a midseason tournament. I'm a big European soccer fan. I like the midseason FA Cup in the Premier League or, uh, you know, the Coppa Italia in Italy. Um, now, you could argue about how seriously some of the major teams take those things. And I would certainly argue that I don't know that the Lakers, the Clippers or some of the other top, the upper echelon teams, the NBA would care about a midseason tournament when their real goal is to win the NBA championship. But I do think if you implement if you implemented something like that, it would certainly help you know, the Miami Heats of the world, the Boston Celtics of the world, the Denver Nuggets of the world, the teams that are maybe just below the top tier contenders, maybe they can have something different to play for because they're, guys, we know they're probably not winning the title this year and that's fine, but they can at least still have something to win in their season. So I do think that makes it interesting. The NBA has also talked about Adam Silver wants to potentially add a play-in game for the last two playoff spots in each conference. I was initially skeptical on that. I think, I, but I've come kind of come around. And I think it's a good idea. So theoretically you would have, you know, the the team that would finish in the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference, right? The Eastern Conference is terrible this year, so it's probably not a great example. But the seventh seed would play, the, uh, you know, the tenth seed in a single elimination sort of tournament, and the eighth seed would play the ninth seed, and the two teams that basically win those games would make the playoffs. So that, I guess, extends and makes the back end of the of the, of the the standings a little bit more interesting. It keeps more teams in it. It potentially keeps teams, uh, teams from tanking. Now, I don't think... I'm, I've never been a, an anti-tanking guy. It just doesn't bother me that much, guys. It didn't bother me what the Sixers did. Look what they're at now. They ended up with Joel Embiid and, and Ben Simmons. Now you could argue about their fifth, but they ended up with two star players. So I, I think there are there are ways to fix the regular season. They're never going to eliminate the number of regular season games because of the revenue. And I I, I understand why they would do that. Um, but I do think at, adding and making some like little midseason tweaks like that to a tournament could be something that my fans might be interested in. We'll, we'll remain to see whether the players and the teams are interested in it. But it is something that I think will be cool going forward that teams can at least hang their hat on and say, hey, we have something else to play for besides just June when the finals are going on. Uh, can, can we keep Saruti for an extra half hour? Um, <laughs> real quick, two things. The midseason tournament, like I love the idea of that, and it's a European model. 
but half these players don't even play all 82 regular season games because they don't give a shit about anything but, but winning but an NBA title. But you're wrong there, though. I'll say this. I think the load management thing is actually pretty overblown. And I was someone who months ago when Kawhi Leonard's sitting out, we didn't know what his deal was. Like, I was mad. I'm sitting there going, hey, one of the biggest games of the year, Kawhi Leonard is going to sit out at home against the Milwaukee Bucks in one of the dozen games that are that, that you circle on your calendar. He's all of a sudden just going to sit out. But it actually hasn't been as bad as you think, guys. I mean, like, look at this. Giannis, who's going to win the runaway MVP again, doesn't believe in load management. Uh, granted, his minutes are down because he doesn't need to play a ton of minutes because they just blow everyone out every night. So maybe that's part of it. LeBron is playing night in and night out. Anthony Davis is playing night in and night out. James Harden's playing night in and night out. Damian Lillard, Trey Young, uh, Luka Doncic has been hurt, but he's playing games. Like, I actually don't think that this load management thing is actually that big of an issue. It's really only... Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers and it's because we don't know what the hell's going on with Kawhi's knee or his hamstring or whatever's going on there we, we don't really have enough information on it so I actually don't think the load management thing is as big of a deal as people made it out to be at least this year alone last year it was a little bit more of a problem but I think maybe some of these guys have sort of heard the the cries and the and the, and the complaints from fans and have changed it around because really it hasn't been like a it hasn't plagued the league like I think most people think it has the thing for me Suri is this is when you talk about you didn't have a problem with tanking. Now, I live in Philadelphia. I have a young son. And say, but just say five, six years ago, my son was in eighth grade. And the Sixers tanked for four years. So he would have gone through his high school life without MB, competitive NBA in a city like Philadelphia. And not only, look, your team may suck, and that's, that happens in sports. And you can be the Cleveland Browns and just, you know, blow in perpetuity. But the Sixers were doing it on purpose. They were spitting in the integrity yes. of the game, losing on purpose, and then not playing players that they drafted for an entire year. The fact that Ben Simmons didn't play his rookie year for the entire season was a flat-out disgrace, right? So how can the league regain its integrity when so many teams are going with that mentality? Like, I'm going to suck so I can get an Embiid and a Simmons, and now, which, by the way, they end up as a sixth seed right now. They can't win on the road. They just lost four straight. They're horrible. Like, where's the upside in that? You're going to take the sport away from a, a good basketball market like Philadelphia to gain a couple of superstars. By the way, they missed more than they got with Okafor and all these yeah. other guys, and that's the NBA because mm -hmm. of the one-and-done rule. There's so much broken here. I don't even know where to start and where to continue. I, I can't like if you're going to say, hey, you know, think of the children. I don't have a I don't have a rebuttal for that. I understand like that sucks. And I'm sure growing the up, kids, in man, you yeah, think of the children. But I, I don't again like you wouldn't be in this. And granted, this has been a disastrous year for them. I'm still not going to write them off because I think they have maybe the most talented starting five in the league. And I while I don't trust Embiid and Simmons, I'm never going to write them off in the Eastern Conference. I don't think they're at Milwaukee's level, but that's a whole different discussion. But they wouldn't be in this situation if it wasn't for them tanking, though, right? So it's like a chicken or the egg situation. Like, they had Drew Holiday. They were going nowhere. And Drew Holiday is a nice player, but you're not winning championships with Drew Holiday. And because of what they did and because of them being terrible for three, four years or five years, however, however many years it was, they are now in a position where – they're going to be contenders probably for at, for for they're going to have a window at least for a decade where they might not win titles but they're certainly better off than they were when they were just a middle you know a middle of the road NBA team like the problem with the NBA this is the main problem with the league and in my my Orlando Magic are are probably the perfect test case for this situation being in the middle is the worst possible place you can be you either want to be terrible or you want to be great if you're in the middle you get stuck there and the Sixers 5 6 7 years ago were stuck there 
and they made a decision to tank, and that's one way to go about it. Another way to go about it is to do what Memphis, what the Memphis Grizzlies have done, which is you know hit on one draft pick, make a bunch of smart moves, take some bad contracts on, get assets, and then you're you know you could potentially be a playoff team overnight. There's more than one way to skin a cat. I don't think that they're like for, for example this year. There really aren't that many teams that are tanking. I mean, look at the Atlanta Hawks were one of the worst teams in the league, and they were buyers at the trade deadline. They added two starting caliber centers. I mean, you know, Cleveland's bad. I don't think they're necessarily tanking. They're just sort of in a rebuild. You can say that the Knicks are bad. I don't think they meant to tank, and I don't think they necessarily are tanking. Golden State's probably tanking, but it's again, it's a, it's an, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, it's almost an outlier because all of their players, all their best players are hurt. So I don't actually think it's some epidemic this year. Certainly, it's going to happen in, in years to come. But I do think what you look at is Teams like the Orlando Magic or, you know, who was it? Like, look at the Minnesota Timberwolves. They ended up getting two number one overall picks, right, in Wiggins and, and, and Carlton Towns, and it didn't work out for them. So I think there are teams that are looking at it and going, hey, while this does give us more crack, you know, more, more pieces of the pie or more, or more whatever the phrase is, like, it, it, it still isn't a perfect system. We could still fail here. So I don't think you're ever going to be able to get rid of that and maybe adding some of those at the end, you know, the, what I was talking about, the playing games for the playoffs, which I think is a good idea, help solve part of that problem. But again, if your son, who's a Sixers fan, like he he now is able to root for a good team because of what they did uh, with Sam Hinkie all those years ago. So, Saruti, let's get to the trade deadline, which was yesterday. You said the NBA does the trade deadline better than anybody. So, if 10 means it was a freaking unbelievable trade deadline and zero means it was dead... Where was this year's trade deadline on a scale of zero to 10 and why? I would give it, I mean, we, we had D'Angelo Russell, so that's a bit, that's a pretty big name. And Andrew Wiggins went back and for a lot of people that, I mean, he's been a massive disappointment, but at least he's a former number one overall pick. I'd give it a solid seven because listen, the Lakers didn't make a move. So there you go, but they will be active in the buyout market. Um, at the Clippers ended up adding Marcus Morris. I actually don't love that as much as I think some people do. The Miami, he added Iguodala. I didn't love that as well. But I do think that, you know, the upper echelon teams are still who they are. It's Milwaukee and it's the two L.A. teams. But I do think behind them, there are, there, you know, Miami has certainly made it interesting in the Eastern Conference. And D'Angelo Russell being traded did surprise me. Now, Rick Bucher on the show predicted it yesterday, so kudos to him. He predicted both he and Andre Drummond would be traded. I look at Andre Drummond as, a, I just don't know if you could win with him. He's a big name again, but I'm not sure he's that big of a deal when it comes to wins and losses. But the D'Angelo Russell trade for me was worth it, and that's why I gave it a seven alone, because you've got Carl Anthony Towns, who's absolutely miserable in Minnesota, who has no one to play with. And granted, it's it, so, he's, he shares some of the blame in this as well, because he plays absolutely no defense. But they end up making this blockbuster trade with a with a, obviously a well-known team in the Warriors, and they send Andrew Wiggins to the Bay, who I actually am kind of intrigued by because he now he doesn't have to be a, the focal point of, of an offense anymore. He doesn't have to be the second-best player on a team. He could be the third, fourth, fifth-best player on a Warriors team that still has championship aspirations at least going forward in the years to come. Maybe not, obviously not this year, but next year and the next couple of years. So because D'Angelo Russell got moved and he's a massive name, he's a former All-Star, former number two overall pick, I'd give it a solid seven. I would have liked to have seen some of the teams like the Nuggets and the Celtics and I, and the Sixers even, and we were just talking about them, I would have liked to have seen those teams maybe make a bigger move to go for it, but I don't know if the deals were out there. So while there have been more exciting trade deadlines, I think a solid seven is 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 fair. And by the way, I want, I want to bring this up because we were, you were talking about why you think the NFL does free agency better. I, I don't, I mean, 
name the who's the last like when Kirk Cousins is your best he's the only I mean Kirk Cousins was like the biggest free agent in the last however many years and Kirk Cousins is what an average quarterback at best in the NBA you've got all the best players moving like almost every other year so I actually disagree I think the NBA clearly far and away does free agency better than the NFL well it, it, you're right it's the star players in the NBA that move but there's no loyalty into it you know in, the, in the NFL if you, if you have a star player like a quarterback like an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson or whoever, they're not getting a free agency. The teams just don't allow it, and the, and the rules are set up that way. Uh, let me ask you this, Rudy, because uh, I, I look at the NBA, and you're right. Like There were some names that moved. I don't know that anybody improved astronomically to all of a sudden make them a pseudo contender. Um, but you, you mentioned the buyout market. That's where teams can add some really important pieces. Who are some guys that could get bought out, and where could they end up to help teams? Some shooters out there to help some teams that need shooting, some three-point shooting, those kind of things. Well, there's two guys, there's two names, and one of them isn't even on a roster right now, and that's Darren Collison. He was spotted at the he was at the Lakers game last night sitting next to Jeannie Buss. So it seems like that thing is already done and dusted. Whenever he's uh, he wants to basically show up and put on a uniform. Uh, for those that don't know, Darren Collison was a a solid level point guard in the NBA for a while. Um, he ended up like kind of abruptly retiring. Uh, this offseason when he, he passed up probably a, at least a $10 million contract or so. It looks like he's going to sign with the Lakers, and they do need that because I R- Rondo for them has been bad this year. They need another guard. They need another potential off-the-bench scoring-type point guard who, when LeBron isn't playing or can play off the ball. So he's a guy that I would look to see end up in L.A., and that's why I kind of don't think that they ended up trading Kyle Kuzma. Not, not that I love Kyle Kuzma, but I'm not sure that there's a deal out there for the Lakers to be made to be worth giving up on, you know, a, a young sort of wing the way that he is for them, even though I don't I still have questions about whether or not he can be the third best player on, on their championship team. But so look for Darren Collison to be a Laker. And then the other one, I don't know if you guys saw last night, but the Houston Rockets, their starting lineup was, consisted of. Six foot three Russell Westbrook, six foot four Eric Gordon, six foot five James Harden, six foot five PJ Tucker, and six foot seven uh, 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 Covington. And they literally didn't even have a power forward or a center on their on their starting lineup. And they end up going out and beating the Lakers. Now, I don't think they're going to be able to do that night in and night out. I do kind of respect the fact that they're just saying, you know, F it. Like, we're going to go. Mike D'Antoni and Daryl Morey are thinking, hey, we're going to shoot a bunch of threes. This is the way we believe basketball should be played. So let's go out and do it. I do think that they're not going to be able to do that night in and night out, especially come the playoff time. So that's why I think Tristan Thompson's a guy who's playing for the Cavs right now. Uh, I don't know. It, it seems like he's not going to be bought out. I kind of hope he does. The reason he wouldn't be bought, bought out is because he wants to essentially have his bird rights to be able to make more money when he hits free agency, and he'll be a free agent this summer. But if he was able to get bought out, I look at him going to the Rockets as a potential great fit because he could play defense. He's a lob threat. He can switch on defense. He's kind of everything that they need. And their tallest guy right now is six foot seven. So look for, I think those are probably the two main guys on the market. There could be a, a couple of small end guys um, uh, out there as well, but I don't think anything that'll really tip the scales. Like for, for your Sixers, for example, you know, they add Alec Burks and they add uh, uh, Robinson the third. I don't think either of those guys are moving the needle too, too much, but there's really not much they can do. And there's really not much in the buyout market for them either. His name is Steve Cerruti. As you can tell, he knows his NBA. At Cerruti on Twitter, that's C-E-R-U-T-I. You got to check out Scal and Pals every day, Monday through Friday, radio.com sports on the app or radio.com slash Scal. He got traded yesterday. What other show <laughs> has a guy that literally got traded yesterday? I saw an NBA headline, Scal something 
gets traded. That's all I needed to know. Scal got traded. Thanks, Rudy. Thank you. You want to hear a great story, too? We were actually supposed to have Isaiah Thomas on the show today, and he got traded yesterday. So that's uh, we unfortunately are not. We're going to have to reschedule oh. with Isaiah. He got traded to the Clippers. So uh, the trade deadline did affect our show in more ways than one. You know what? As long as the plane has Wi-Fi, he can do it on Skype from <laughs> midair flying out to L.A. Thanks, that's dude. True. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Take it easy. There he is, Steve Cerruti. So, Jason, I want to get into, before we have Dean Blandino in about 10 minutes to talk about some of these XFL rules, and then at 10 o'clock, we're going to talk to Patrick Mahomes' high school classmate who called his shot of Mahomes winning the Super Bowl. I want to know what your number one deal breaker is on a date after you tell me the number one way to hire somebody. Number one way to hire somebody is simple. It's hard to find a job. You got to go to Zip Recruiter. You got to find the right people because they make it easy. So Cafe Altura's COO, Dylan Miskowitz, experienced how challenging hiring can be unsuccessfully searching for a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. But what did he do? He switched to Zip Recruiter and he saw an immediate difference. And you can as well by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com enter. ZipRecruiter, they don't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And it's technology. It identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates faster. You don't have to sift through all the, the junk resumes. In fact, after posting his job to ZipRecruiter, Dylan said he was amazed how quickly great candidates were applying and found his new director of coughing in just a few days. Now, with results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter they get a quality candidate within the first day. Check it out. ZipRecruiter, it's the smartest way to hire and see why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at their web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash enter, E-N-T-E-R. Hey, everybody. It's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.